Hello and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast. We're on a mission to optimize our lives through faith, health, wisdom, and much more. Thank you for joining us on our journey. Here now is our host, Nick Carlisle. What is good, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Life Enchanted Podcast, where it is my duty to explore all things related to living an optimized and fulfilling life. I personally am on the never-ending journey to improve myself and figured why not share my findings and my conversations with as many people as possible. This episode is brought to you by MyLifeEnchanted.com, which is where you can find all things related to the Life Enchanted movement. You can sign up for my email newsletter on there, read my blog, check out some apparel I designed, learn how to support me through Patreon, and a bunch of other stuff as well. Also, please consider leaving a rating and possibly a review of the podcast on whatever platform you're using. Your feedback helps other people discover the show and join the movement. My guest for today is my good friend, Anthony Saylor. Anthony is one of the elders at the church that my family attends, and he and his family have a very unique, inspiring, and intentional way of doing life, which you will hear all about in this episode. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I know that you guys will too. So without further ado, Anthony Saylor, ladies and gentlemen. All right, sweet. And we're live. Anthony, what's up, man? Hey, what's up, Nick? How are you? I'm doing well. (laughs) Good. Thank you for being here, dude. It is. Thank you. This is awesome. I'm so, so happy to be here. This is fun. You just got back from Capitola. I did, yeah. One of of the spots we really enjoy going, Santa Cruz Capitola area. Yeah, took a another family down there as well i saw yeah and it seems like there was some intentionality behind that because you and i were 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 texting over the weekend and you said that you guys brought another family down there and and i know you guys tend to do the that type of thing uh with with different families especially in the church what is your perspective there what are you guys doing there so one, we love community. I think that's first and foremost. We love the idea of community. Mm-hmm. And we in our own personal lives have found that experiences over things are 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 so much better. Mm-hmm. We, we love experiences over things. And so to be able to bring another family or to send another family even without us or to do other things like that where you're giving them experiences over things and showing them really neat experiences. Some familiar yeah. stuff, some unfamiliar stuff, some adventure, some luxury, some rough in it, like all together. Yeah. And the kids have such a great time. Yeah. And it's just a story to tell. Yeah. Which is really fun. Yeah, yeah. So when you say experiences over things, you just mean literally memories instead of like giving people money or giving people presents or buying people, taking people to, well, dinner could be an experience, but creating memories with people and enjoying life together and living life with people and communicating and and going through it with them. Exactly. Yes, Mm. exactly. So like, um, I mean, giving is, is, is amazing and we need to do that, but giving say uh, a mortgage payment or something like that is like, that's cool and it's nice, Mm -hmm. but maybe another idea would be taking a a family away for a weekend or giving a family a weekend away to experience themselves and to have just a blast together and to not only the parents having fun, but watching it through their kids' lenses is also a blast for new experiences. How often do you guys tend to do that? Five times a year, maybe Mm -hmm. about, 
or something. It's a compilation of taking families with us, um, uh, sending families away, or finding out families are away and maybe picking up like their portfolio when they go to check out and wow. stuff like that or sending something um so these are all expenses covered when you do this you pay for everything yeah yeah that's, yeah that's but so awesome but before you give me like yeah. <laughs> any any kudos <laughs> we do a tremendous amount of travel hacking mm-hmm. and so we use that a lot for generosity and things that we love to do not only for others but for ourselves as well yeah and so we're able to do it at fraction of the price of a normal family yeah and so instead of using that for us and doing things that either we've already done or Mm -hmm. just on ourselves it's really fun to bring another family with us a different dynamic and to share those experiences together and again all centered around community how how do you typically like identify the family that you want to bring is it always like a friend that you're close with or is it someone who you've heard is struggling or does it come through you to you through prayer or what does that look like i think it's a compilation of of everything Mm. um i i do everything with my wife julie and so oftentimes it's really organic the way it comes up we're like hey uh we're going to the beach you know maybe we planned it a month out or something like that and it's like i've got points for four rooms are four nights and instead of going away for four nights let's just go away for two nights and get two rooms Mm. so two rooms and then is there anyone like on your heart you want to bring or something like that and it could be a family that we know really well we just want to get away with and goof around and have a blast it could be families that um maybe have never experienced the beach before or never experienced this particular thing we're doing. And yeah. it's like, Oh man, let's bring them along. That'd be so much fun to yeah. do yeah. and show them that. And it's just a, it's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Can and you- then like the guys can, can pair off and go do something and mm-hmm. go grab a drink and talk. And the girls could do the same thing and we could watch the kids and it uh-huh. just becomes, I mean, three days away is a great amount of time Yeah, and you can do a lot in that. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have on those trips, do you, do you try and have like some specific, um, like, do you want to share the word with them or is it just experience? Like, let's just hang out. Or is there like, is there like an objective in these times? I'm sure it depends on the family and whatnot, but I'm just curious if there's like, man, I really want to break through this man's, like his selfishness or something like, like I've noticed like that he's, you know, angry or whatever it is. Is there objective there you know there's not and i'll Mm -hmm. and i'll tell you why i we do nothing with like strings attached Mm -hmm. or emotive and that's something that is near and dear to me i don't like anything that has an angle to it and it's like hey come away and let me you know bring out the tupperware julie right like right like we don't do anything that has any angle to it and it's literally like a carefree trip that's like just come away with us and let's just have a blast that's so cool man. and we do it with family but we also do it with couples too. Mm-hmm. And so if we want to get away as couples and cause you know, we're as we do life together with everybody, you, you and Lindsay as well. It's like, mm-hmm. you want to work on your marriage. You, then you want to work on yourselves. You want to work with your family. You want to work on all these components. And sometimes it's good to get a babysitter for the kids and head to half moon Bay for the weekend. Yeah, and, no doubt. And get away as couples, which is really fun. And that throws a whole different dynamic into the things we can do and the experiences we can have, mm-hmm. which is fun. Can, can you compare, because I'm, 
hearing you talk about this and thinking about like um, the times that I've been selfless, because these are such selfless acts. It's and I truly believe that that selfless acts create long term joy. I try to communicate this to my class quite mm. a bit. And I say that when you're selfish, which is usually the easy thing to do, that brings short-term joy. Like, it'd be easy for you guys to take those four nights and do it yourself. It'd be easy to not help, you know, your neighbor pick up the the leaves or whatever. Um, but selfless acts, giving those two nights to someone else, helping your neighbor pick up the leaves, or whatever a selfless act is, mm-hmm. those things bring long-term joy. Whereas those, those short-term instances they momentarily help you out or get you to where you want to go but you never think back on them and and it's just shallow but mm-hmm. when you're selfless you can always refer back to those things and get this inner sense of joy and and just happiness from it yeah, absolutely so there's joy that comes from it but there's also this underlying uh concept of contentment mm. Because when you're when you're giving something away, when you're constantly giving of yourself or doing something for others, there's this idea that, hey, I have enough. God's given us enough. And mm-hmm. gosh, if we just were to share the wealth just a little bit, this is really, really cool and yeah. really fun. But it also builds in our hearts this idea of contentment and yeah. gratitude. Mm. And that's what stems a lot <clears throat> of how we live and what we do Yeah, from everything is mm. this idea of contentment and and gratitude. Mm. What what does that contentment look like for you and Julie? Well, um, I mean, so, I mean, we we wanted to talk a little bit about kind of this fire movement Mm -hmm. and minimalism Mm -hmm. and all these concepts and such. And so this idea of contentment is we we have been so blessed, Mm -hmm. like so abundantly blessed, and we don't need any more. And so if we keep our lifestyle where it is, anything over and above is just is just extra. Mm-hmm. And so with that extra, if we're able to repurpose it and able to do things for others, it's been it's been an amazing journey yeah. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I want to dive into because I know you have a ton of just like practices and perspectives on a lot of these things, and I want to dive into quite a few of them. <laughs> but you mentioned travel hacks, so let's just start there. What yeah. are your go-to travel hacks? How are you hacking your way around the world? Because I know you've been numerous places. You you were in China with your kids, and Thailand with your kids, and yeah. all all sorts of awesome places. How are you going about doing this? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, nothing special about it, and I mm-hmm. love sharing it because everybody can do it. Mm. It may not be for everybody in their particular point in life, but it's great to know. And so the the term is coined travel hacking. Not such a fan of the name. It's really like travel rewards. Yeah. But if you ever look it up and want to do research, it's called travel hacking. And what it is, is what we do is we strategically open up credit cards for their promotional bonus points that will leverage where we want to go and the things we want to do. So that could be flights, it could be lodging, it could be experiences. Mm. And so there's a couple things, right? Like before I get into all the amazing things, there's a couple things because opening (laughs) up credit cards is not necessarily, it's kind of out of the usual and it's kind of against what you hear yeah, in, totally. in the media. So what I mean by that is opening up strategic credit cards. Uh-huh. And so um, if I back up just a little bit, if if I look at this idea of uh, a FIRE, and uh, FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. There's all these little spheres that branch off from it. Mm-hmm. And one of them is travel hacking and such. And so, but this idea of FIRE is to be completely debt-free. 
and debt freedom is really it's it's freedom as mm-hmm. i mentioned mm-hmm. so to be debt free you don't have to leverage credit you don't have to do kind of the usual way to borrow money because you've self-funded everything mm. so because of that opening up a credit card and closing it even though it's minimal to your credit score still if you were going to buy something very soon that you needed credit for and you needed a certain number this probably isn't for you yeah. type of thing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but however um if it is opening up strategic credit cards that leverage where you want to go. Mm-hmm. So like an example of this, and Chase has some of the best credit cards that uh, that that you can get for leveraging points. Hmm. But we'll open up a credit card. My wife and I will use it. And it generally goes like this. If you spend a certain amount within the certain time frame, it's usually a couple grand within 90 days. Mm-hmm. You will get those promotional points from, and they'll they'll transfer from, say, Chase to, say, Marriott Rewards or mm. something. Okay, and um, and with that, you're able to use them for for hotels. And so, what we do is we open and close credit cards, but we just use, and we try to do it, and we do it very responsibly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we use our monthly expenses on those cards, just regular expenses we're going to pay for no matter what, Mm. we do that on those cards, pay them off just like usual, and those accrue points. Got you. And so with that, we're able to float much of the travel we do. So when we talk about going to Thailand, I mean, we floated, I think it was like 20-something days, like completely free. And and it's not like we're staying at like you know, Motel 6 or something. Yeah. We're staying at Ritz-Carlton's and JW Marriott's and some of the most jaw-dropping places you can imagine. Yeah. And people to our left and right are paying top dollar for these resorts, and we have it literally, I mean, completely free. Wow. So if we're able to float flights and we're able to do um, lodging and stay where we want to stay, really, it's just it's just food yeah food and some some airport parking that's pretty much it wow so which is on average how how many credit cards do you think you're opening and closing a year let's say gosh we're probably doing um well chase has this rule called uh 524 which means you can only open up five credit cards with them in 24 months (laughs) but if i do it and julie does it that's really 1024 so we're probably doing anywhere we're probably doing 10, 10 cards, I would say, a, a year. Wow. So Chase say. is your typical go-to? Yeah, there's Chase, there's American Express, there's mm-hmm. a, a lot that are out there. B of A, we just did through uh, Alaskan, because we were going to Peru next year, and so <sighs> we just did a little bit of research, and Alaskan Airlines was doing a promotional bonus, and it was like... 40 or 50,000 points spend a certain amount. Well, we did that easily. Points transferred over. But the reason we did that is because the points are transferable to Latam Airlines. They fly in and out of Peru, and they have hubs in LAX and Houston. So by doing a little bit of research and knowing that we can transfer our points, we'll use that card for a couple months until it floats our, uh, our, our flights to Peru. And then anywhere in the U.S. we can get to for free using Southwest. Mm, got you. So, so you are you're only spending what you're on these credit cards, what you already are going to spend. You're not. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh, it's, absolutely. It's cash that you have in the bank. You pay it off immediately. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. We don't have any debt. We've never had any consumer debt of any kind. Yeah. And and with yeah. 
So it, yeah, it's, we're going to spend the money no yeah, matter yeah. what yeah. you and I, we're going to spend the money. So we might as well do that strategically. And maybe you're not opening up that many credit Leverage cards, it. right. Yeah. And, and closing them, but maybe it's just one or two, mm-hmm. something that will float an overnight travel, uh, somewhere here locally. Yeah. Something, something like that. Yeah. You said you're going to Peru next year. How far, because you got, you seem like you're regimented and you're, you're very, um, like you said, strategic and you have quite a bit of foresight in what you are going to do. How far are you guys mapping out when and where you're going to travel? The, you know, what we typically do is Julie and I will say, hey, there's four places we want to go, right? Always in the back of our head, there's like always kind of four places that are swirling around like, hey, it'd be really cool to go here. Mm-hmm. And then part of, aside from opening and closing credit cards, there's subscriptions that we subscribe to mm-hmm. for flights, and this, um, they're annual subscriptions, super cheap, like 25 bucks a year. But what they do is they send you nearly every day, sometimes twice a day, flights that leave the West Coast anywhere around the world that are mistakes or extreme sales. So an ex- a mistake would be like a fat finger mistake, like I'm off a decimal. So a $7,000 business class flight is actually 700 And and you can buy that until quality control finds it, which is usually about an hour or two. Wow. And then maybe it's just a great sale or a great deal, or there's a currency mistake, right? Uh, Because when you're flying international, there's tons of currency errors that happen all the time. So these sites take all those algorithms, send it to us, and you just have to be willing to pull the trigger immediately. So to answer your question, like, do we plan it out? Yes, we do plan it out, but like, we don't know exactly where we're going until those flights hit. So we always have four places in mind that we want to go. And I just, uh, Julie and I are always like, well, at any point, just within like an hour, we're going to be having to buy these tickets if they come up. And we're just, we're just fine with that. Wow. So... Like, like, and do for you have instance, like a, sorry, do you have like a savings yeah. account ready for that? Because, and then you put it on the, the credit card that you're using at that time and then just buy it and then pay it off real quick. Like, do you have a separate travel savings? Account yeah, we have a, on? yeah, we have a vacation fund gotcha. that we, and I'll share maybe later how we budget and how that's funded and everything. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we have a, a travel fund gotcha. that we pu- pull it from. Um, but like, for instance, I finished the entire logistics for Peru knowing that we're going to go there in the summer of 2020 and I finished everything. It was like a two week trip and everything was done except I'm just waiting for flights. Well, sure enough, like last week it was Thursday and we have friends of ours that moved to Bosnia to do mission work Mm. and they're going to be there for five years. And we said, Hey, we're going to go visit them at some point. Not really sure. Well, flights came up and we booked Thursday afternoon. (laughs) So we're flying into next year, April, we're flying into Germany with the kids and we're going to drive through out of Germany through Austria into Croatia and into Bosnia. Wow. And so like that was a very spontaneous trip that came up. Yeah. But when you look at the dollars and cents of it, I mean just flights alone and with rental car we saved like $13,000. It'd be a travesty moly. not to go. Yeah. Like it was totally. it's unreal. Yeah. And it was either a huge sale or a mistake. But if you can jump on that in an hour and a half uh-huh. and not have to think about it and consult each other, and yeah. you know, you can find these amazing deals. And then lodging for a couple weeks, a few weeks, will all be funded because of uh, of credit card points. 
Interesting. What What yeah. are these websites that you're subscribing to? Yeah, so there's two, and we could probably link to them in the show notes. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one is called Next Vacay. Next Vacay. And the other one's called Scott's Cheap Flights. Got you. So they're annual subscriptions that usually go from like $25 to $35 a year, which is nothing. Yeah. And I just told you last Thursday we saved like $13,000. <laughs> so the ROI is enormous. <laughs> yep. And the opportunity is off the charts. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, it's just, it's amazing what comes up. So if, if anybody, and this is available to anybody, mm-hmm. anybody can can do this. So if you had spots all over the world that you wanted to go and you're like, gosh, this would be a great bucket list trip for our family. At any moment, those could come up and you just have to jump on them right away. Wow. And yeah. And so that's, travel hacking has really helped us, I mean, dramatically. We have um, this this saying, Julie and I have this little, it's an informal goal, but we have this saying 18 by 18. Mm-hmm. And we want to take our kids, our little girls to 18 countries by the time they're 18. Oh, that's cool. Are you on, are you on pace right now? I think after next year, we'll be on pace. Wow. Yeah. Like we did... Uh, we did Thailand last year. We did uh, we did China last year as well. And then in like two weeks, we had to Nassau. That'd be <laughs> another one. And like Nassau is a great example where um, when you get into this, so so Marriott Bonvoy owns Ritz Carlton, SPG, all these other what used to be silos of of travel rewards. They're like the mothership, and they own all of them. So now the ability to find properties that are outside of the Marriott label around the world is, is incredibly great yeah. to, to do. Um, and so the Atlantis, which is in Nassau, just east of the Bahamas in the middle of the Atlantic is a Marriott property. Uh-huh. And so we're able to go there and transfer points, stay completely for free and Southwest flies there of all places. Really? Southwest. Yeah. Flies oh, into score. Nassau. So wow. free flights, we've got a uh, free hotel, so literally, we're just paying for food. That's amazing. And another family's coming with us. That's amazing. Yeah. That's really cool. Have you and Julie always been on the same page with this? Or was this something you kind of worked out early in your marriage? Or was there conflict there at some point? What did that look like? Your guys' lifestyle is very particular. And it's very um, specific what and, and intentional. Mm-hmm. Is that always been present in your guys' marriage? It, it has, yeah. It, it has the intentionality part has, and, and we're constantly, you know, refinding ourselves and mm-hmm. growing and all sorts of things. But yeah, from the very beginning, we have, um, we've been pretty intentional. Now, all of that has evolved quite a bit. And the way we are now certainly didn't look that way 11 years ago, mm-hmm. but the core principles of minimalism and the core principles of living far below your means and having no debt and this a, a savings rate that is far beyond most like those things are i would say like the pillars of where everything else kind of stems from mm. and those have been concepts and values that we have had since the very beginning mm. and and quite frankly that julie had before she married me and that i had before uh i married her that's convenient. and that's huge yeah, yeah. super convenient right <laughs> like a any god was definitely looking out yeah um, and continues to look out yeah but that you have to do anything like this. You've got to have a spouse on board. Totally. And you've got to be lockstep um, 
just moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. I mean, for you to call, right? And it's like, hey, Lindsay, guess what? Pack your bags. We're going to Kenya. And she's like, what? <laughs> like, right? We've never even talked about this. Yeah. But you're like, but it's a good deal. <laughs> like, you you got to be on the same page. Totally. So everyone, is, it gets excited and, and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You mentioned minimalism. What yeah. does that look like in your guy's life? So minimalism is, I would describe it as finding the simplest and fewest things that create the maximum effect. So that is what minimalism is to me um, and, and to our family. So this idea of like having one bowl per person and one spoon per person is just like crazy yeah and it gets a bad rap because of that it's like i'm just not gonna i'm not gonna live in a studio flat with no furniture and sit on the <laughs> yeah. floor and it's like it's not that at all it's it's about intention um and so i i, I always tell uh, julie this and we have this phrase you can afford anything but not everything hmm. so it all comes down to priorities and so minimalism is exactly that it's priorities and it finding the simplest and fewest things that create the maximum effect for us. And then being bold enough to let all the other things just roll off your shoulders. Because again, it's non-essential yeah. at that point. If you've deemed these are the things that I value, and for us, we call them the big five, and, and they're probably very similar to, to your life as well. It's following Christ, right? your relationship with Christ, your marriage, your kids, health, and community, the big five. Mm. And if you're building a life around those, call them the simple and fewest things that create the maximum effect, everything else really just becomes an afterthought. Yeah. And those become filters that everything that comes into your life goes through. And if it doesn't fall within those buckets, it's kind of like, well, why are, why are we doing that? Why are we investing time into that? Yeah. What are some things in your life that, I mean, what are some practical examples of things that you're just keeping very, very minimal so that you can have more margin in other areas? Uh, calendar is a, is a big one. So the calendar is sacred. And so I, there, there's, there's, uh, I got this phrase from a book that is, you know, everything that comes across from a commitment standpoint, it's either a hell yeah or yes. it's a no. Yes. Right. And have you heard, you've heard of that? That's, um, yeah. He, that guy was on Tim Ferriss's podcast recently. He, do you remember his name? I can't remember his name. I don't remember his name. I put that on my Instagram story the other day because he was, it was awesome. He's, he's the guy that founded cdbaby.com. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. So I read it in a book and I, I just remember highlighting that and that's been a mantra we have now for years. Yes. And it's, good. it's everything that comes your way, it's either hell yeah, like heck yeah, we are doing that for sure, or yeah. it's a no. Yeah. Which means you are either a hundred percent on board or it's a no. Mm. And so that comes into play with the calendar. Yeah. And so we we use a paper calendar in our family, which is so old school. Yeah. But what that does is it, it we can't say yes to something right now to you, Nick. We got to go home and we got to look at the paper calendar. Yep. Because if you're saying yes to something, you're saying no to something else. It's exactly right. Do you yes. keep that on the fridge or just to get real just specific? Just in a drawer. Here, just in the drawer. Yeah, just in a drawer. It's a paper calendar my wife holds. It's in mm-hmm. a drawer. And what happens is, is it's not just like if the family gets invited to something, it goes on the calendar. No, it's... we run, if Julie's doing something with her gals that doesn't even, I'm not even home. It doesn't even include me. She still runs it by me Mm. and I still run my stuff by her because we're also holding each other accountable for 
you know, is, is that, do you think, you know, a couple times a night a week is, is okay. Do you think, you know, maybe we need a a night at home or do you think that's too much for this month? And having those questions to each other is extremely helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Something that, um, on that podcast that I just referred to that Tim and his guests were talking about, I can't remember that dude's name, unfortunately, but, um, Tim always mentions this rating system for decisions, a one through 10 rating system, which I thought was super cool. And I've been trying to apply it here and you take away the seven. So when you're trying to make a decision, you say out of, out of, out of 10, how much do I want to do this? But you can't say seven because seven is very convenient and (laughs) isn't really, there's no insight there when you call it a seven. So if you take away the seven, you're forced to either go with a six or an eight if you're in that ballpark. And an eight is a yes, which is a hell yes, and a six is no. Yeah. So that one through 10 system, taking away the seven has been super helpful for me. And I've gotten um, people I've requested that, I've, that I do a couple things here and there, like speak at, you know, some youth thing or whatever it is. And I'm, I'm trying to apply this one through 10 right now. Like, is that a six or an eight? Yeah. Oh, that's a six. No, thank you. Yes. I'd rather do something else. Yes. It's been super helpful. That is, that's a great practice to mm-hmm. get into. Yeah. That's a great one. What so, yeah. else, um, does minimalism apply to in your life really practically like the the calendar? What else? Yeah. Calendar. Um, the, the last thing on the calendar I want to say is, is this is just because the nights open doesn't mean we need to fill it mm. or does it just cause the weekends open doesn't mean we need to fill it. We have blocks in our calendar that it's just like, I mean, we're going to say no. And because we really want to keep the calendar sacred, we want to keep our time sacred. And if we've, we've realized time is the most valuable asset, we want our calendars and our checkbooks to resemble that. Yeah. And so if, if somebody asks and we're like, oh, you know, we'd love to, but we just can't. And you're like, well, what do we have going on? Nothing. But yeah. still, like, just because the night's free <laughs> yeah. doesn't mean we have to to do something. And mm-hmm. you have to be okay with missing out on things. Mm-hmm. But if you're okay with missing out on things, and that goes into the this overarching thing of, like, um, this idea of just, like, be, be yourself, be bold, and just blaze your own trail and really don't care what other people think. Yeah. That is, that is huge. And a lot of other things start to fall into place mm-hmm. after that. Yeah, that's powerful. <clears throat> Is yeah. that something that you and Julie really try and verbalize to each other? Is who cares what they think? Yes, and our kids. Yeah. Yes, because Lily right now, you know, in first grade is, you know, she it's just like everybody. Everyone wants to be liked. Yeah. They want to be um, you know, they want to be a part of things. No one ever wants to feel left out. But really stressing that to our kids on <clears throat> be yourself. And be true to who you are. And God created you for a reason. There's no other person like you out there. Just be yourself. No one needs a duplicate. Yeah. And um, and not only saying it, but hopefully she sees that <clears throat> every day in our family. Yeah. Because everything we do is pretty much countercultural to the countercultural to the traditional narrative. That's, totally. That's for sure. <laughs> totally. I mean, I think that's kind of the the major goal of life is to get to that stage where no outsider's perspective or thoughts of what other people are thinking about you affect you. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that equates to joy and purpose and flow state and freedom and present moment and all that stuff because you're Mm -hmm. just doing you. Yeah. It's exactly right. Yeah. 
So yeah. more practical minimalism in your life. Yeah. Um, I want to nerd out here. Okay. Yeah. So let's let's get real specific. Sports are a big deal to uh-huh. almost every every household. And yeah. so if again, if I go back to the definition of what I consider minimalism, it's the simple and fewest things that create the maximum effect. So for us, dinner dinner time is huge. Dinner time is we don't miss it. We yeah. sit down at the table, we talk about our day, this is dinner. And we don't do you typically Let, cook? Sorry. Uh, no, Julie cooks. Gotcha. I barbecue. Julie, so you guys cooks. are cooking. Gotcha. Yes. Gotcha. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, we're de- definitely cooking. Cool. Yeah. And so the kids see that, which is great. Um, but when we sit down at the table, that's our that's our time mm. together. And so that time is again, again, sacred. Um, so when when we when we talk about sports, sports can easily interrupt that time period totally. easily. And so we have we're a big believer in sports that we can control the calendar. So an example of this is Lily plays tennis mm-hmm. and we love it and it's a great sport, but the reason we do tennis is because tennis is a sport you could take well into your adulthood. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I mean we play tennis at a resort like and I and I'm not even a, like a big tennis player. But you could play it well into your adulthood. So it's a skill you can take into your adulthood. Um, And then uh, uh, the other thing is we do one-on-one coaching. So we call the time. We say we're going to do it at 3.30 on a Monday afternoon because we're not in a big group where there's 23 other uh, calendars that, and they're like, hey, it's at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock or something like that. So we do one-on-one lessons with Lily for tennis and we do it at like three thirty, four on a Monday afternoon. Hmm. So we both can be there. It's just us. We get it. We get it done. She's learning a skill. She could take it well into adulthood Yeah, and nothing interferes with like Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. Nothing interferes with uh, evenings around the dinner table. Yeah. And yeah. even the hobbies I do like, or again, tennis, it's also extremely affordable. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. really affordable to play. I mean, the, the, uh, it's free to just jump on a court and there's courts everywhere. Yeah. But we, it's a family thing that we do. So we ride our bikes over to the court or, uh, or sometimes we go after dinner if we want to do it that way and mm. schedule it for like seven o'clock on a summer evening. So we go after dinner, but we ride our bikes there as a family. Lynn's picking up balls, right? Mm. And it's like, we're there as a family. We're doing it as a family. So we try to be really intentional about that. And that definitely falls under minimalism with, with sports yeah. and hobbies and, and things like that. Yeah. I do like, uh, even my own hobbies and such. Like I, I do, uh, I do a little bit of magic mm. and I do love you? it. Yeah. And I love like card magic. What yes. Type of magic like sleight of hand. Oh, like really? sleight of hand. And I love doing it. But the reason is, is one, it's super affordable, yeah. but, but also I could do it on my own time. Mm. I could do it when the kids go to sleep and I could yeah. do it at eight 30 on a, on a Wednesday evening as I'm watching Seinfeld reruns in the background and <laughs> yes. just learn a few things and then practice it. So it's not, it's nothing that takes me outside of the home. It's yeah. not like, like I love to play golf, but yeah. I don't, I don't play because I'm not going to spend five hours away from my family doing something like that on a random Saturday or yeah. Sunday. 
So how do you learn how to do magic? You you watch YouTube videos? I literally just watch YouTube yeah. videos. YouTube. That is it. Yes. YouTube is so golden. That's for all everything. that's all I do. Yeah. And that's... I just have always loved magic. I've always loved sleight of hand ever since I was a kid. And I'm like, gosh, you know, I I, I, I want to get into this. Do you bust some tricks out at like parties and stuff I, like that? I, I have yes. I do carry a, a deck of cards on me in my do sport you? coat. Yeah. That's amazing. And uh I've done it at like weddings during cocktail hour. <laughs> I've done it. I mean a different place. Places. And it's a total, it's a total high. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love it. But if you ever want to be like super humbled and extremely vulnerable, like that yeah. is to what to do because like, <laughs> Magic. I, yes, because like I, I mess up so often all the time and, oh, it's, uh, but it's fun. Yeah. But it also fits our lifestyle. Yeah. Because I'm not exercising a ton of time that's taking away from the family to be able to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So those are the those are the types of things. I mean, just like the calendar and sports, I know is a big one for families. Yeah. Um and and finances. Like finances are a huge part of our lifestyle. And 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 they have to be. Yeah. Be and so there's a minimalism approach to that as well. What does that look like with your housing and your cars and your clothes and all that stuff? Um well one, I'll start with the idea of contentment, like mm-hmm. I mentioned earlier. So um if we're constantly giving away and constantly thinking like, how would the Lord, um, uh, how could we be fiscally responsible with what he's given to us and how could we give back? There's very little time for us to think about the things we want, Yeah. right? So because of that, we are extremely fortunate to be able to be in a, a lovely house that works for us. It's not huge, but it works for us. And we utilize every room. Like that's a big piece of mm. of like a minimalism concept is yeah. utilizing every room and and we do that. Um, so like housing is we're not interested in like the bigger and better yeah. approach. So um, I mean, again, being debt free, you yeah. can easily say, "Oh gosh, I'll sell my house and put put uh, you know all of it down on another house yeah. and go like." double the mm-hmm. size or mm-hmm. something like that. And to to not fall uh, prey to that temptation is is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but that comes from gratitude every day. And I'm just thankful to even have a roof over my head. Yes. And then this idea of contentment falls yeah. along with it. Yeah. So like housing and cars um, were, I love, I love like high performance sports cars. I would love them. Mm-hmm. But I just know how expensive they are. And so Julie's always like, you want to like drive a Ferrari? Go rent one. Anytime you want, go rent one. Yeah. And it's so easy to do that. You can go rent one for a day, the weekend. And then when you're done, you throw the keys back to them. There's mm. no you know, $2,000 oil changes or tire <laughs> yeah. replacement. And yeah. I mean, registration, you name it. Mm. So we, we buy, um, I would just, uh, we buy a, a regular economy cars and we buy them at a good price and we keep them for 10, 10 plus years. Yeah. You try and go used or do you buy new? Yeah, we go used. Nice. Yeah. So we go used and we usually go through a uh, rental car facility that then turns around and sells them. That's a hack so, right there. Yeah. So like Hertz, Enterprise, they take them off at like 20,000 miles, 25,000 miles. Hmm. And then they, they fix them up and you get the, the warranty on them and everything. Huh. And then you buy them at 25,000 miles. And you buy these great cars that will last till they're 200,000 miles uh-huh. and you drive them into the ground. And all you're doing is putting uh, tires on them once in a while and some oil changes. Yeah. 
the car I pulled up in out there, it's my, it's a Ford Taurus. It's a 2007 and I bought it 11 years ago. Wow. And we paid $10,500 for it. Yeah. We wrote a check for it and drove it off the lot. That yeah. was it. Yeah. 11 years ago. Wow. And it's still, I still use it today and that's my car. That's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That, yeah that's a hack in and of itself. The, the rental car purchases. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah. housing and cars and even clothes, it's, it's, if that's where your value is, that's awesome. Yeah. Cause you're so, always looking clean. I'm going to give yeah, you that. Oh, thank you're, you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you like clothes. Can we establish that? Yeah, absolutely. Cool yes, okay, I cool. do. Yes, yes. Yes. I Me as well. Absolutely do. And uh, it, it, and if that's what you value, there's nothing wrong with any of that stuff, whether yeah. it's a home, a car or this or that, we all have things that we value, but uh-huh. the, the whole idea of, of this, this more of, of this lifestyle is like, do what you value and don't let other people, don't live a life that other people value. Yeah. Like mm, be true good. to yourself. And yeah. that's the biggest point of it. So yeah. just cause we don't value a large home and, and nice cars, that doesn't mean it's wrong at all. That's mm-hmm. just in order for us to live our life the way we want to do it and to be able to travel and to be, you know, almost like two stay at home parents for our kids. It's like, we don't have the option Mm. of buying a larger home. We don't have the option of buying nicer cars. We don't have the, that luxury because we have put our time, energy and resources into the things that we value. Yeah. So it's, I mean, to boil it down into one sentence, really, it's sp- spend generously on the things you love that you value and be minimalistic in every other aspect of yep. life. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And everyone's values will be different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's really interesting. Yeah. What other aspects? You mentioned fire, which is uh, financially independent, retire early. That's correct? right. Okay, yeah. good. What? Yeah. First off... Where did that come from? Did you is that a recent discovery for you? Is this something that you learned about through someone else? Probably uh, four years ago, I came across this topic, mm-hmm. and because it overlaps into so many things that we're already doing, and this just came up, it just bubbled up in like a podcast, and I or I was actually a blog, and it referred to a podcast, and then I started reading this blog, and then. Started listening to this podcast, and all of a sudden, I found this community of people that I extremely identified with. Mm. So, for like the last two and a half years, we've been a part of this lifestyle movement called FIRE, and it's financial independence, retire early. And it has all these spin offs of frugality and minimalism and travel hacking. And that's where I've learned to do over the last five years, that's where I've learned to do so many of those things. Mm. And all it is, is it's this idea of being extremely intentional about the things that you value and that you want to do. Yeah. And then letting everything else fall, again, fall off your shoulders. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so like the traditional narrative, it, it, and I'll, I'll explain like, like by a little bit, it's, um, it's a lifestyle movement that really challenges the traditional narrative. And so it's this idea of jumping off the hamster wheel and, and saying like, I am done with the rat race of what everybody else does and I'm going to live a life of value. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how that starts to play out. Yeah. And so there's a huge financial piece to it as well, mm-hmm. because like no matter how much or little you make, you have to make something to be able to fuel your life. Mm-hmm. But being this, but being debt free and like step one of that is 
opens up the door to so much freedom that you're able to then do. And then mix that in with contentment, a little bit of gratitude. And all of a sudden you're like, I have everything that I've ever wanted. I need nothing more. And guess what? Now I don't, you don't have to go to work Monday. Yeah. You don't have to do the job that once fueled your lifestyle because it's all completely paid for. It's done. Hmm. And you don't need that next promotion. You don't have lifestyle inflation. You don't have any of those things that the traditional narrative would have. So they typically fire, typically advises against corporate jobs, nine to fives, those types of things, or what what is the perspective on that? So um, generally everybody at one point is in the corporate world of some kind, but what it is is it's reaching FI, which is called financial independence, and it's by having an extreme savings rate. Like we're talking 50, 60, 70% savings rate. Wow. And once you reach FI, you're really able to do, because you never, the whole idea of retire early, it's like, I don't know why it's even in the title. Mm -hmm. Nobody retires. You're just uh, repurposing yourself and saying, I am done working nine to five. Yeah, doing what you want to do early. Yeah, and I am going to do something purposeful. I'm going to do something that I've always wanted to do. Because guess what? I don't need to have the income anymore. Mm. that's that's a huge piece of it yeah nobody ever like the this idea of retire early is like so just just mis, misguided like yeah. people think you're just sitting around eating bonbons and and like doing nothing mm-hmm. but that's that's not the point of it at all it's having enough so you can say get off that hamster wheel and say i don't want I don't want to do that anymore. I want to go do something purposeful. Yeah. And a lot of it stems from time being the most valuable resource. Like that's where a lot of these movements came from. Because if you think about it, this whole eight to five gig is you're there for like eight hours and then that doesn't factor in commute time. So Mm -hmm. call it 10 hours and you got to get ready and do all these things. And it's like 10 hours away, five days a week. I mean... It's a it's a lot of time. Yeah. And so if time is the most valuable resource, it's like, do your calendars resemble that? Yeah. Um. And so for our life personally, that's just not something we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just I just couldn't see myself doing that. What um, What has been your work history, if you don't mind sharing? Because I, I I'm ignorant to that. I don't I don't know what you do for work. Yeah. I don't know if Julie works. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we do. We both work and we both work very hard. I'll just on the record. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so so uh we um so I uh let's see here. So um I started at Xerox Corporation and kind of did a pulpery of roles over like eight years and quickly gravitated towards the roles that you could work like from home, that mm-hmm. you could um that had a lot of autonomy, things like that. Gotcha. And then, uh, which is becoming very common. In very common. Yes. Yeah, there's plenty of jobs out there yes. that allow that. Very, very common. And then two years ago, I took a role still within the same industry, but working for a software company. So now I support the very companies that I worked for. Mm. So I do that. And so I have the Pacific Northwest as a territory. And so I work for, there is no office to go to. I work from home. Gotcha. So, and that's, I say, is the greatest, the greatest thing of all. Mm-hmm. Um, Julie, she is a speech pathologist and gotcha. she is able, again, like praises be, she is able to be, um, to work a couple hours a day from our dining room table while Lynn takes a nap. 
she just has a client come come through no, the house or something? Or? No, she actually manages other speech therapists' reports. Uh, so it would be like you and I going to see kids, you know, in homes and doing therapy. We write up a report, and before we send it to Alter Regional Center, it goes to Julie. Uh, she looks over it, makes sure it's you know up to sniff, and then sends it off. Got you. So she's able to do that from her laptop for a couple hours a day while Lynn naps from our dining room table mm-hmm. and we're both we're both home. Yeah. Do you have an office that you work out of at home or are you just at the kitchen table? Or? I, I have an office in our master bedroom mm-hmm. a little bit, but like office is a very loose term. It's yeah. like a desk. That's it's a laptop. It. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I work um, from our office in the in the the house. It's kind of like the kid's playroom and then doubles as an office because uh-huh. I love being out in the out in the in in the in the the house and yeah stuff like that but i work anywhere it's just a laptop totally. so it's really really simple and then if i need to take a call and the kids are home i'll just duck down in the the bedroom or something like that mm-hmm. take mm-hmm. a call but everything is super super flexible so i could take a call at lynn's soccer practice or yeah i mean anything like that interesting yeah and and part of that is a little bit by design because again if if I want to be a part of every day. I don't want to be just a part of these monumental moments. I want to be part of the small moments. Mm. And so does Julie. So if we're both able to do that, we only have 18 precious years. That's it. And Lynn has 15 summers left. Lily has 11. And the last statistic I read was 93% of your in-person parenting is done by the time they graduate high school. Yeah. 93%. Wow. So like... Wow. If you chew on that, you're like, well, my goodness, I can't work. Like for me personally, yeah. just for me, I can't work at an office. I can't be gone. I have to be home. Mm-hmm. And I want to maximize all that time. But because of that, there's tons and tons of trade-offs that we have to make. Because if my job ever said, hey, we, we built an office next door, right? And we really need you to come in. It would be like, all right, well, this was a wonderful run. I think I'm going to go find something else to do. Yeah. And so you, you have to be able to have all your ducks in a row so you can go do something and maybe take a pay cut mm-hmm. or take a, uh, or, or take anything that still allows you to focus on the things you value. Yeah. Because you guys have such a focus on being present with the kids and the kids being present with you and being there for the small moments, not just the huge moments. I'm curious if you guys have talked about phones for your children as they're growing up. Do you guys have something planned out for when they're going to get a cell phone, if they're going to get a smartphone, all that? This is a very hot topic right now that I'm very curious about because I'm terrified for my daughters. I know. I know. I I am too. Um, I would say the answer, the big answer is no. We don't have a moving forward strategy on exactly what we're going to do. But I do know that if, if we're able to share early on with our kids that we are different, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, we are different. We are not going to be like everybody else. And we've already had to say those conversations like early on. It's mm-hmm. like, we are not like everybody else. And this is why. And so I want to say that phone is going to fall follow suit with a lot of the things we've already put in place with that. Yeah. Not that she'll never have one, but maybe she does have one at a certain time and it's only for this. And yes. I need to, I need to really figure out what that's going to be mm-hmm. lily's only in first grade but i do i know that's coming yeah uh, i know that's coming I in the next couple years yeah and how scary that is um everything starts at home from conversations 
to I mean uh, uh, everything that's happening like in society and we yeah. know the things that are just coming down the pike for education and um, all those things all those conversations start at home and that's part of the reason we want to be present uh-huh. is we want to have those conversations we want to bring them up we don't want to leave raising our children to the schools to even like the church nursery or anything like that we want to be hands on in all of that stuff yeah because if they don't learn it from you they're going to learn it from someone else if you don't say it someone else is going to say that's exactly right Mm. yeah and and so there's really just no there's nothing i could think of that i'd rather be doing like like even even like uh a lot of people are are, have asked like well are you gonna like build a business are you gonna do this or that it's like i can't think of anything i'd rather do than just be home and present with my kids right now because even if there was payoff and so much financial rewards later down the road it's like well that just doesn't make sense right now with with the trade-off yeah i've got 18 years that i want to be i want to be home Uh and i'm willing to make that i'm willing to do anything to make that possible there's a lot of wisdom in that, man. That's oh, that's you. awesome. I, I tip my hat to you for that. <laughs> thank you, you guys also, in one of the Bible studies that, that I was um, in with you, you talked about this year of philosophy for your family. I, I can't remember what you said, but it was like this, you were, you were talking about what you guys are doing and you were like, this is the year of, I think it was like rest or something for yeah. us. Can, yeah. can you speak That's into a, that? What, what's going memory. on? <laughs> That's a great memory. So yes, yeah, so all of our years are themed in things that we want to either uh, fall back on or achieve or move forward, per- persevere, something like that. So every year is themed. So um, 2019, this is the year of be still and wait. And so we're not doing anything that's like wild and crazy. This is a be still and it's wait. And oftentimes that the themes are developed in December for the future year. And that's through readings. It's through podcasts. It's through prayer. It's through talking with Julie. And it's like, what do we want next year to look like? And everything, single thing that comes comes our way is filtered through that theme. Hmm. So like to put it in perspective, uh, we started doing this like, I guess like four or five years ago or something. So 2015 was the year of contentment. And then 2016 was the year of community. 2017 was the year of maintenance. Hmm. 2018, we said back to basics. Hmm. And then this year is be still and wait. And there's reasons for every single one of those themes and what we do. But it's again, this idea of getting, getting ahead of what this year is going to look like and saying, if we're a little bit proactive, a little bit intentional, what would we want this year to be? Hmm. And We've done that and it's been, for us, it's been wildly successful because it allows us to, if we ever get off track, it allows us to go back and be like, oh my gosh, this was supposed to be the the year of be still and wait and all yeah. we've been doing is on the go, right? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. So there's a lot of um, grounding that mm. comes from that. How do you track that? Do you have like a poster board that you guys put tallies on or anything? Or? We, do a, we do a year in review, which is which is like, hey, how did we do Mm -hmm. this year, right? The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. How did we do? And that's in every aspect of life. So physically, emotionally, financially, all those things. And then um, that's a lot of how next year is decided as well. So we kind of do this. We think this year is going to look like this. 
Here's going to be our year theme. That's going to be the filter in which we put everything through. And then at, in December, we're going to see how we did. Yeah. When you, when you do those year in reviews, just to kind of focus in on that is what does that look like? Do you, is it just a discussion? Is it, um, do you put stuff into a Google doc or? Yeah, we have a spread, we have a spreadsheet that we use. Um, and it's probably very simple. Like don't like, it's not as glamorous as it sounds, but it's really just Julie and I getting away, having dinner and it's kind of like a little date night Uh and we are able to talk about exactly how the year went. And so I'll prepare any documents like needed to be able to show Mm -hmm. because Julie's an amazing supporter and she'll support any vision and, and she's the person that like allows this all to happen all the logistics mm-hmm. and then i'm a little bit more of like the visionary so if i put it together she is more than willing to like look through it and be like all right like cool and offer some feedback and some advice and stuff like that mm, got you got yeah. you wow that's really cool very inspiring <laughs> um do you in that spreadsheet real quick last thing on that do you do you rate what you guys is so like emotionally do you give like a one through ten without a seven (laughs) without a seven i like that idea and i think i might start to incorporate that i i really do because we we do not we do not rate it's more of like uh it's just really more of like a discussion got you but i love that idea yeah of of rating it (laughs) yes um so what type of of self-care techniques or activities do you like to integrate into your life just personal stuff to help combat any mental stress you have or physical wellness or anything like that? Um, so I think a morning routine is big Yeah. Um, for anybody doing anything. Amen to that. Yeah. I love, I, I love that. So, uh, my mornings typically look like we'll get up. Um, usually the kids actually wake us up. So we're rolling out of bed, maybe seven, seven thirty or something. Cause school doesn't start till nine, um, oh, wow. eight 45, nine. So it's later. So we could sleep in a little bit. And then we uh, will jump into a quiet time of some kind. So Julie and I both do a devotion that we're doing. It's called the Bible Recap. And so we jump into that. So it usually starts with, um, usually start, we'll like make coffee. We'll do our Bible study. Kids are watching a show while having breakfast or maybe something like that Mm -hmm. after they get their stuff ready for school. And then uh, we've actually gotten into juicing a little yes, bit, which has been man. really, really fun. Uh-huh. And so we have, uh, we'll take a shot every morning of turmeric, ginger, and lemon. Mm. And then we'll put some black pepper, cayenne pepper, and oregano in there. Nice. So we'll do That'll that. Do it. Yes. <laughs> and I, oh, we have just loved that. Yeah, that's and, awesome. And so we'll do that. And then, um, and then there's always a piece of exercise that happens. So Julie and I, we both run about four miles a day just for recreation. I'm usually out with a running jogger with one of the kids of some kind, but our quiet time and a little bit of prayer. And then I've actually been getting into meditation Mm. a little bit as well using headspace. Nice. And that's been really, really neat. Yeah. How long have you been doing that? Probably two weeks. Nice. Yeah. What's your, are you trying to do like 20 minutes in the morning, 20 minutes at night, 10 minutes here? What, no, what's I'm like? starting it pretty much with just five minutes every morning. Nice. And it's more uh, breathing exercises, yes. being aware, like mm-hmm. uh, mindfulness, yes. awareness, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like those practices. I'm like at the most basic you could, you could be. That's awesome. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's a fun journey. I'm actually, um, I'll show you, I have a book right here. It's called, um, it's called The Naked Now by mm. Richard Rohr. Actually, mm. um, it was referred to me by Rob Joseph. 
Oh, cool. Know. Yeah. And yes. he, him and I are on uh, very, very similar wavelengths as far as um, our spirituality and whatnot. But um, Richard Rohr is a Franciscan friar who um, is all about Christian mysticism and contemplation. Wow. And it's very, very similar uh, to, to meditation and present moment stuff. And this book is changing my life. So that's um, awesome. Yeah. I'll have to share with you some stuff after we're done recording, but yeah. it's, it's really, really cool. man. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Speaking of like self care and some stuff is we do things that, um, cause just like anybody, you don't know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. So we try to surround ourselves with, with people that will get us to the next level from a purposeful standpoint. And so, uh, I, I want to make sure I mentioned that we did life mapping with actually Rob's wife, Asha. Oh yeah. She is a life coach and she does life mapping. And so when we talk about like self care and what we do, things like that is how do we make sure we're on the same page? How do we know we're, uh, uh, we're firing like in the same direction, all those things. And we did the first quarter of this year, we did life mapping with her. And it was an amazing experience where we're tracking memories from as far as you can, as far back as you can remember all the way to present day through your peaks, through your valleys, through Mm. all these things that have made you who you are. And when you have to articulate that back and Asha does a fantastic job facilitating that those conversations, we met every week for Q1, January, February, March. And it was amazing where we were at the end of it. And so for anybody that's thinking, gosh, like, what does this look like purposeful? And am I on the same page with like my spouse? And in in 20 years, am I going to look back with any regrets? What does that mean? I'd highly encourage life mapping because no matter what, we're all going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars over the next two decades doing something Uh and investing in something. And so before you do that, take a f- small fraction of that and invest it into yourself to make sure those that time energy and resources is going to be in the right direction yeah is is the, is there like a physical tangible um document you guys map onto or what yeah give us yeah. a little bit of specifics there sure. on what that life mapping looked like yeah absolutely so i think there's nine maps and all the maps are a little bit different, but they piggyback off of off of each other. Mm. And so one of the one of my favorite maps was actually the valleys, which is because you do peaks first and then you do valleys. And valleys are interesting because you're actually mapping out in great detail the valleys of your life and where you know, you saw God move the most and Mm. it tends to be within your valleys. So for me, totally like as I'm mapping this out, it's like my parents were divorced when I was 10 years old. It was, it was, you know, it still weighs heavy on me. Mm. So that was a tremendous Valley for me. Um, at eight, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease. And so I have that and I've been battling that since I was eight years old. So that was a valley. Mm-hmm. And then every once in a while, I go through this bout of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And those are, are deep, dark pits of, of, uh, of valleys as well. Mm-hmm. And so to understand where my valleys are, and then to actually figure out that once your valleys burst, they, they, they have created the life that we live today. Yes. So a lot of the principles we covered yeah. this morning are have stemmed from anxiety or have stemmed from like uh like my parents divorcing it's like i am giving everything to 
Julie and Lily and Lynn and our family. Yes. And it's it's amazing how our life has ended up because of the valleys we've experienced. Amen. And that linkage, that link, I never would have fully understood if I hadn't mapped it out. Yes. And Asha walked us through that whole thing. I want to share with you something that I put actually on my story this morning that's like right there with what you are saying from that book that I just mentioned um, Richard Rohr, it says, struggling with one's own shadow self, facing interior conflicts and moral fail- failures, anxiety, undergoing rejection and abandonment, daily humiliations, experiencing any kind of abuse or struggle of any form are all gateways into a deeper consciousness and the flowering of the soul. Wow. Yeah, which is right there, man. It's That's true. That's so cool. So true. That's where we learn. That's where we we come to rely on God. We get more intimate. I mean, before we started recording, I was sharing that same thing with you. It's like yep. the, the valleys are where you have to become intimate and you have to get to a place beyond your ego and beyond yourself where you rely on something bigger than you and greater than you. And for us as believers, that's God and the word. And that helps tremendously. There's a ton of hope in that, that we can yeah. cling on to. Um, and it helps pull us out and, and, and it helps us learn and get better and more resilient. And we just got to understand that life's full of those and we're totally. going to continue to, to battle. But as long as we keep getting out and digging out, then we're going to get stronger and stronger and life's going to get more fruitful and more fruitful. That's right. Yeah. Yep. No, that's cool. Yeah. Um, last but not least, I just want to ask you about, uh, three books that you would recommend to someone from any genre. Ooh, uh, three books. All right. Um, yeah. I, and I read these books every year. Mm. I love reading the same, like when you find a great book, yeah, man, you just can't get enough from it because by the time you've finished it, your life's evolved so much already that you're like, Hey, I could read this again and get another nugget out of it. Yes. Yes. So the three books I'd recommend would be love does by Bob Goff. Have you heard of that book? I know Bob Goff. Haven't okay. heard of the book. Oh man, that book is amazing. You talk about living out what what God has just infused you with, and mm. just showing God to others in the small moments, and mm. like kind of like what we touched on earlier in the very yeah. beginning, how we opened this thing up. But Bob does an amazing job, and his stories are are so great. Yeah. Um, I think Love Does is is a great book and at anybody can get something out of. And it's an easy read too. Yeah. I mean it's a one 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 two flight read oh, type really? of thing. Sweet. Yeah. Essentialism, uh, the dis- discipline pursuit for less, mm. that is a fantastic book. That'll help you tremendously in your work and your life, how to be how to get become more efficient so you can focus on the things that matter most. Mm. And that's a big book. And then lastly, The Millionaire Next Door. That that's a timeless book because it was written so long ago and it still is still today is as powerful as it was when it was written because is that oh who wrote that stanley stanley for some reason jumps out at me i'll i'll have to yeah i'll link to it yeah i'll link to all those that'd be great yeah the millionaire millionaire next door is so great because it's like all the things we've talked about where it's like you you walk by millionaires all the time and it's like they're not flashy they don't drive you know, super nice cars. They are just down to earth people, but they have tremendous wealth. And the way you keep that wealth and maintain that wealth is by, by, um, your lifestyle and not Mm. having lifestyle inflation and living well below your means for decades. Yeah. 
I mean, the recipe's easy, and that that paints a very easy picture for it. Mm, that's awesome, yeah. man. Anthony, thank you yeah. so much for doing this. You're oh. an inspiration, man. Oh, Nick, thank so you. So much fun. I this learned a, a lot. It's inspiring. All right, guys. Later. A special thanks to King's Kaleidoscope for the instrumental used on the intro and outro of this podcast. Also, a big thanks to the good people at Capital Floats, which is Northern California's premier sensory deprivation and float tank facility. I am a frequent user there, and the experience is transformative to say the least. And for listeners of this podcast, they are offering an exclusive deal of 40% off the normal price for a single float. Just go to CapitalFloats.com and use the promo code Life Enchanted with no spaces at checkout. If you're in Northern California, you definitely want to take advantage of this. Please remember that I am not a doctor, so definitely consult your physician before making any sudden diet, supplement, or lifestyle changes suggested in any of these episodes. If you're interested in connecting with me, you can send an email to nick, N-I-C-K, at mylifeenchanted.com, or you can find me on Instagram at mylifeenchanted. Peace.